show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to buy all 28 copies of our favorite author's books. Yeah, we're talking about that style, your smile gig, the tidy your teeth trade, the old denticulation vocation. Wow, Jason. Wow. You really pulled that one I out. Dug deep. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. <laughs> and I'm Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are diving deep into the backstory of a Wall Street Journal best-selling author who is not only amazingly kind, grac- gracious, and nurturing, but also incredibly talented and unbelievably prolific. Yeah, she's written mm-hmm. like I think 28 books by my last count, but I'm not a math major, and holy Moses, that's so many books to write that it freaks me out. Yeah, she writes two books a year. I can barely read two books a year. That's true. It's sad. It's true, though. Um, Please welcome to the podcast the one and only Kendra Elliott. Yay! I'm super, (laughs) I'm a little starstruck. First of all, that's a lot of freaking books. I don't even, I don't even know. I'm trying to get through one. Is that right? Taken me two. Well, we counted. You did? Okay. And then I recounted because I was like, that can't be right. And then we counted a third time and I was like, oh my God, that's 28 books. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't keep track anymore, honestly. Nor do you have to. I will go to Amazon and count also when, <laughs> when I'm trying to figure it out. It's amazing. No. But I have just cut back. Um, instead of turning in a book every six months, I now do one every eight months. Oh, so that's but, far more reasonable. <laughs> so much more reasonable, yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad you yeah. gave yourself a two-month reprieve. Because um, it's a lot. And Was your publisher outraged? <laughs> <laughs> I was worried. I was really worried. But they were great about it. They were very nice. Good. Yeah. Well, they have 28 books. So I'm like, <laughs> like well, and I should, I should start early because... Um, Kendra didn't start when she was one years old. You know, she didn't write a book every year for the past 28 years. I mean, she has been like hustling because before you um, were a prolific writer, you had a real job. And I want to talk about that real job. And I want to talk about that trajectory because I've read your bios online and I've, uh, you came and spoke at um, my program and I was, um, just really in awe of you and Melinda, of course. I mean, you're both awesome and I've read your books now and they're amazing. I mean, you, they're, they're pumping out good, good, good books, you guys. Like, this is like fun reading. It's so good. Um, but anyway, so you were on this trajectory. You had like a real job, not an easy job. You were in the dental field as uh, Jason Denticulation vocation, <laughs> Jesus. Um, you went to school first for journalism, but didn't right. actually end up in that career. So let's no. talk about that. Nope. Right after college, I actually worked for Safeway for five years. I was a bookkeeper. And then the final year, I actually was a checker because I had decided to go back to school and do dental hygiene which actually was very intense yeah. and harder than college. 
Uh, I have two friends that are dental hygienists. That's like, that's serious science. That's a lot of work. Yes. Yes. And of course I had a bachelor of arts and they wanted all these science courses. So I actually had to go back to school for a year before I even applied to take organic chemistry and anatomy and physiology and microbiology and all this other stuff. So I had started uh, being a grocery checker instead because it was more flexible so I could go to school. Wow. That is intense. That's intense because then, so, okay, you went back to school. Um, I, we don't need to talk about ages, but you already had an undergraduate degree. You were working for several years, then decided to go back to school to be a dental hygienist, something in the science and medical profession. And then did that for probably 16 years. I was a hygienist. Years. 16. I pretty much only worked two days a week, though. I was also raising three kids. Right. Okay. And, th- and that was that was perfect. I got to go get out and talk to adults during and you know, and then spend the rest of the week with my kids. And when you say talk to adults, you mean talk at them while their mouths talk, are... talk to patients. <laughs> talk to captive audiences. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when when they were captivated, were you churning out stories at that time? Were you like, listen, no. I have this idea? No. No, no, I didn't tell anybody that. I was writing and I think I started were already writing at that time. I didn't start until let's see if I did it for 16 years. I had worked there 10 years and then I started writing. I didn't tell anybody there. No one at work knew, you know, even my husband didn't know for quite a while. He finally came to me one day and it's like, what, what are you doing in the basement every night? <laughs> That's amazing. And you write you write suspense novels, so and yeah. there's some romance in them, but they are suspense mm-hmm. novels. So he's like, no, seriously, what are you doing in the basement? <laughs> That's great. I love if, that. If he has as great an imagination as you do, he must have been terrified. Right. <laughs> well, you know, he was so funny. I didn't. I felt like I was going to be judged. I think. So mm-hmm. I finally said, "I'm writing a book." And he kind of looked at me. He goes, well, that makes sense because I was such a heavy reader, read all the time, all the time, all the time. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, I get that. Okay, carry on. That tracks. (laughs) Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think, um, and it also makes sense not to tell anybody, when I had a a career type gig too, I was still um, writing and acting, living here in Hollywood. I mean, that's why I came out here. And at, at first, I was really embarrassed to tell people because I didn't want them to, I, for me, it was like, I didn't want them to go, oh, but you're not successful at that, so you're here, or like, that's not going to happen for you because right. you're not already doing it, or you have a career, like. There's a lot asked, of stigma. There's a lot of stigma, and so I sort of was like a little sheepish about it, too, for a long time at that gig before. Yeah. I didn't want the questions. I didn't <sighs> want the How's it going? Well, what are you writing? And yeah. when will, when will you be published? Right. Yes. Can That's I read the big it? One. Can I read it? When can I read it? For me as an actor, the question is, oh, have I seen you in anything? Oh, or what, yeah. When, when can I see you? What can God. and you you, you want to honor that somebody's interested and you know has so much faith in you that they're just assuming that you will find the success that you're not sure is going to come. Right. <laughs> but um, but still. even even now I get that question like you got I'll when they hear I'm an author they'll say oh have I read anything you've written <laughs> I have 28 books which would you 
Yeah, but what did you know a book is? Yeah, how do you how do you answer that? I don't know. Well, do you tell me everything sleep? you've written? <laughs> tell me everything you've read, and I'll tell you if I wrote one of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, did you? That's husband... actually a good question because they'd be like, um, they they literally would not remember a thing that they've read. I oh, promise. No. Like that's the thing. That's the thing. It's like yeah. It, I sort of, it's sort of a jackass question. Let's be honest. Like, That's it's fair. sort of like a jackass question. And it's a jackass question to actors, too, because it's like, no, I'm not an A-list celebrity asshole. Don't ask. <laughs> like, I've been in stuff. Yeah. Acting isn't just one thing. Yes, you've seen me in things. You just didn't notice me. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, you know, being an artist is a hard thing, you know, but you find your success because it makes you happy doing it, you know, and to get paid to do it is amazing. And to be as prolific as you are, um, that's incredible. I'm, I'm like, and in the one book in the romance genre, I kind of straddle both genres. I've got a foot yeah. in both suspense and romance. Yeah. Um, I am not considered prolific in romance. I have friends that churn out a book every three months, every two months, they oh can just keep God. doing it. I can't write that fast. How can anyone type um, that fast? I know. It's just crazy to think about. But yeah, I'm considered average. Which is not. crazy to me, but I understand. I understand that because I do read, I've read romance and I have friends who are romance authors that I've, I've read their books. Um, and it does feel very quick to me when they're like, oh, a new book is out. Oh, a new book is out. And I'm always like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. What's happening? But your books are different. And I know it's because I, I'm sorry, allergies. I'm, my eyes are itching and oh. I apologize right now. Um, I shouldn't do this, but whatever. Um, I'm tired too. Uh, Don't touch your face. I know I'm not supposed to, but my allergies <laughs> are so bad. Um, but the thing with your books are, is that, yeah, they straddle um, mm -hmm. genres. And I think that, you know, romance is really, there's one purpose to get this relationship thing going in, in, in that book, but yours, right. there's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of um, suspense and that you can't just turn that out. I mean, that takes a lot of, I think that's what it is, is the suspense and the mystery part. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard to make the puzzle pieces fit together and I'm not a plotter. So I'm just writing from the seat of my pants essentially. Wow. Yeah. I'm the same way. I will. I do plot a little bit, but um. <laughs> for two books, two books that aren't published <laughs> but, yes, yes. yes, but um, I totally, I totally understand that. And sometimes I think though, that's the thing. I think you don't know where your characters are going to take you. And no. then that's what builds some of the suspense and to plot that beforehand can be sort of often contrived in that genre. You know, you want to be as sort of open to where that story goes to and how dark I it I really do because often when I sit down to write a scene I don't know where it's going and I'll surprise myself by the time the scene is finished I love that. oh and I'll think to myself boy if I had written that three days ago that scene would have been totally different and this book would have taken a totally different turn choose your own adventure it's kind of weird sometimes like I think as a writer all books are choose your own adventure yeah yeah for the author yeah hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Okay. So I want to talk about being a dental hygienist for a second, because yeah. listen, 
the closest I've ever been to anybody's face for an extended period of time, and it was extended, is when I was doing makeup artistry, like on set or for headshot photographers on the side. And oh, you mean professionally? Professionally, and it was too close to be in someone's face. I was like, I wish. Well, I was glad there's not a pandemic, but I wish we would have worn masks yeah. then for doing kids. So let me let me ask you. The good stuff we we know is you got to work two days a week. Um, so you could raise your kids, which is awesome. I love that. Um, and you got to be with adults two days a week. And you which, got to right. as, right. as parents of crazy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As parents of a young child during a pandemic, we I, I, I feel for absolutely you. take a, uh, a dental hygienist gig right now. <laughs> one, one, one day a week would be just, just awesome. Yeah. But so at some point you had to feel like doing what you were doing, which I'm sure, at, you know, going to school for it was very interesting. It's, it's a science-based field, which I always find interesting. And there was something about it that you were attracted to, but at some point you were like, nope, nope, nope. Going, going back to my art background, back to the creative in me. At what point were you like, I just can't look at another mouth? Um, could you look at a mouth today? <laughs> I could. I you actually could. really could. Um, to be a hygienist, you have to be kind of curious and you want to see what's going on. And I hate to say it, but the grosser, the better. The really? grosser, the more fascinating. Yeah. 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 We're kind of weird that way. Um, I don't think I ever got to that point. I did get to the point where, you know, I had been in the same office for 16 years. We had an ownership changeover, staff changeover, and I started getting really, I just wasn't happy where I was anymore. And it was the spring before my book was to, first book was to come out in July. And my husband said to me, he's like, you are miserable. I'm like, I know. He said, you know, what are you going to do? I said, well, I, I've saved up six months of salary. I'm going to set it aside. Let's see how this book thing does. Um, let me take six months off. I can always get another hygiene job because they're, they are plentiful and people always need hygienists. So that was the, the plan. I was going to take off six months and I never that, went back. That's, that's a, amazing. That's a great luxury to be, to the, the comfort of knowing like the, the job will be there. I'll be able to get the job if right. I need the job. Unless Those, a pandemic happens and well, then all the dental offices close. Yes. <laughs> they close and they send all their supplies yes. to the hospital. That's what happened here anyway. I'm like, yes. I was, I was surprised. I was one, I love our dentist. He's really great. Um, basically though, uh, my dental hygienist is my dentist for the most part, like she's the person I see, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I love Yeah, I do. I mean, I it's do. like, what do you- You spend mm -hmm. 45 minutes with that person and five to 10 with a dentist. And by the yeah. time the dentist comes in, we already know what's going on and we tell him, you know, yeah. what needs to be done. And check, if they miss, if they the miss something, molar. if they miss something during the, yeah, during the exam, you'll say, oh, well, you know, take another look at that one right there. What does that look like to you when you're like, oh my God, you missed a cavity on that back tooth. That's hilarious. <laughs> See, this is what I thought the whole time. Cause usually our doctor, we both love our doctor. Mm -hmm. I won't say his name because, well, he'd probably laugh because he started as a preschool teacher and realized that he really wanted to be a dentist, which oh, funny. 
very funny. Um, but good old Dr. Brown, I'm just gonna say, because it's great. Um, usually he's just coming in to give me the dirt on his, you know, family or latest. It's a social thing. Yeah. It's a social yeah. thing. It's like, hey, Jamie, I'm like, it's so good to see you. Tell me your love life. What's happening right now? But really, there's no <laughs> We have, for the last bunch of years, gotten the, the real lowdown on Dr. Brown's love life. I really like to ask questions. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm like, you know, tell me what's happening. How you get, did you guys move in together yet? Like I, oh. I sort of look at my dental office as my soap opera. You have to go so yeah. often to get your dental cleanings, but yet it's enough time in between for things to, you know, develop. It's really like I'm writing a novel, but I'm watching it in front of me instead. <laughs> a dental novella? Yeah. I think, I think dental offices, a lot of stuff goes down in the background there. There's a lot of drama. Was there oh, any drama? There in is. It's because it's all women. It's all women. Ah. Did, did you work in a big office where there are multiple hygienists? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did they fight over clients? Because we have two in our office and we like one and the other one keeps stealing us from her. And I'm like, mm. what's happening? Maybe the, maybe the one you like doesn't like you. <gasps> Dang it. I did have that theory too for a while. I was like, oh, maybe Vera doesn't want to clean her teeth oh. anymore. <laughs> maybe she's mad at us for some reason. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how bad of a, of a patient could we be? Uh, no, I'm teasing you. There, there is the occasional patient that I think there's usually four of us and we called it sharing the love that we would pass this patient around. Everyone has to take a turn mm. cleaning their teeth. And you're only doing it once every two years now, so that's that's okay. Was, that's awesome. what was the uh, was the issue with with said patient uh, an oral issue, or was it nope. with the rest of the person? The rest of the person. Mm. Oh my gosh! Tell it's us, just unpleasant, just very unpleasant. Okay, who is more unpleasant, men or women? And realize I, that your well, answer is bigger than just dental hygiene. hygiene. Nope, I've I've had both that are just unpleasant. Just to work. Yeah, I believe that. I can't I, say one or the other. I think our hygienist. Um, I think that they shuffle us to her because one is very popular and she's really fun and like everybody wants her. And those days are really hard to get in the office when she's right. just three days a week and. The other one does two days a week, and I think that's why we've been getting the other one because we've been pawned off. We've been pawned off. She's fine. She just takes a long time. Like oh yeah, Vera's like, like forty-five minutes, and the other one is like hour and a half. And I'm like, what's happening? My mouth yeah, hurts. That's, yeah, you should be able to request who you want. Yeah, I'm gonna do your that. schedule. No. You guys, this is a lesson on how to <laughs> how to handle your your dental office. You knew yeah. you were going to learn something when you listened today, but you didn't know what. <laughs> I was hoping for this. I was hoping for this. Okay, what's the worst thing you ever saw as a dental hygienist? Hmm. What's the grossest? The grosser, the better, right? Um. So I've seen where they have so much tartar buildup, you almost can't see their teeth. <gasps> that there's just so much tartar buildup. Um, I've also seen. Have you ever had to like yell into the secretary, cancel my one o'clock? <laughs> I <laughs> no, I'll ha I'll schedule them to come back for a lot another appointment or two. Oh wow. Um, I've seen 
teeth that are adult teeth that are so loose that when I'm cleaning them, I hold them in place with one finger <gasps> and clean with, clean with the other hand. Oh, no. It, it's, from, it's from gum disease. When you have gum disease, your teeth will get loose. When you have advanced gum disease, your teeth will get a little bit loose. So and what do they do? I don't want to be the one knocking that tooth out. So right. I will just kind of hold it there. But if, it, if you clean. tell the tooth needs to come out, like do you? The dentist. That's his. That's his role. He can but, tell them it needs to come out. Not me. Good. Fair enough. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, if I'm the patient and you you do 45 minutes on my tooth, it's like, and then I walk into the dentist and he's like, all right, well, uh, glad these are clean. Let's yank them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you tighten the tooth or do you, do you, can't. Dentist, you can't, the dentist has to you remove can't. it. Oh. Yeah, it'll eventually get removed, yeah. yeah. Oh my Such gosh. Such a bummer, I just don't want that. <laughs> Floss, my face hurts. Floss is your friend. Floss. Oh, yes, this is a flossing house. Yeah. We go through a lot of floss. I have to admit, I'm a, I am a reformed non-flosser. Mm -hmm. Me oh. too. You too? Okay. Yeah. Well, I come from a dental family. My sister is a dentist. Uh, I have another sister who's a dental hygienist who's married to a dentist. My other sister is married to a dentist too. Um, wow. Yeah. So this whole writing thing is kind of... Thanksgiving is really interesting. <laughs> all dental but talk. Basically what you're telling us is you all have beautiful smiles and you take a lot of photographs because everybody's <laughs> got perfect teeth. Um, perfect teeth. Do you then, coming from a dental family, and then we'll talk about the transition into writing for a second, but do you go to one of your sister or brother-in-laws? I don't, just because of uh, location. Oh, okay. Too far. Too far. I go to my old office where I used to work. Oh, nice. The old office that you were very uncomfortable with? Um, yes. Well... Hmm. Yes. So um, the officer different when you don't work I, there. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not working for them anymore. And I also know whose work I can trust. Oh, that's, oh, like that. that's a good point. I know that every job I've ever left, it's like scorched earth and I can't go back. That's not true. Mm. So you did. So Jason was, um, he ran a forensics accounting firm and mm. you thought you scorched it, but then 10 years later, they asked you to come back and do the roast. It was very uncomfortable for me, but they paid me, so I did it. He emceed their big, like, uh, I don't know, somebody's big. I got a comedy job. I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> so you didn't really scorch it that bad because they weren't roasting you. You were roasting them. Well, scorch truth goes both ways. That's the, you know, I don't think that I've left any jobs where they don't want me back. It's more that I don't ever want to go back. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's when different keep a bottle of liquor in your bottom drawer to day drink at the job that's pretty much a good sign you've been there too long well i work from home now so i don't have to keep the bottle in my drawer it's just in the kitchen where it belongs good, good. yeah everyone works remote now um anyways uh <laughs> <laughs> well, i was gonna say though so when your family found out they were probably a little bit of an influence on you when you went and decided to be a dental hygienist, I would assume, since everybody was in the field. Uh, yeah, at that point, just my brother-in-law was. He was a dentist, and he told me to go to dental hygiene school. So, okay. so your brother-in-law started a trend, and all of a sudden, everyone in your family is in the dental yes. oh. Yeah. Okay, and now you broke away. 
you were the first, they followed, you <laughs> broke away, became a writer. What are they all thinking now? Like, oh, we should. Uh, well, right now their offices are closed. Mm -hmm. oh and God, like right. you were saying, they gave their supplies to all the hospitals. And yeah, you know, I'm still selling books. <laughs> so I feel, I feel kind of bad, but um, no, they're, they're very proud of me. I'm sure. I'm a hundred percent sure. They're such good books. Okay. So I want everyone to know how long you've been writing now. Um, so my first book came out in 2012. Um, I wrote for five or six years before that. The third book I actually finished writing is the first one that was published. The other two have been incinerated somewhere. They weren't, they were, they were my learning books. I learned mm -hmm. to write. So, writing books. so we're going to say like, you've written 30 complete books total and 28 published in eight years, 28 published. Well, there's, um, some are novellas. There can't be 28. That can't be right. Girl, you have written 28 books. And yes, did I you count the novella. Did you no, count Melinda? No, I took Melinda out. He counted Melinda's and it was 36. And I was like, no, you got to take Melinda's <laughs> out. She wrote those ones. Kendra wrote these right. ones. Well, I've written five, six, uh, seven, how many, a bunch of them are novellas. You know, they are a third of a book long. Sure, but those are hard to write too. I mean, if I work at it, I can write one in three weeks. If I sit down and do it. Yeah. Cause Melinda and I, um, we plot those, we plot them ahead of time. And so right. once, so they that. are easier to write since they have been plotted. Okay. I just can't do that on a big novel. Of Interesting. Course, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I am not a writer, but I would imagine that with a longer work that. Well, that you do, you write screenplays and it's, I think plotting yes. is very much a screenplay you need to outline and plot. You can't just. And I imagine, you know, I always imagined with a longer, the longer the story, the more plotting plotting should, would yeah. be needed so I'm, I'm surprised to hear that you you're... but that's me that's my process i know plenty of authors that plot the entire so thing you sold the rights to amazon for a series um or film warner warner brothers warner brothers for a tv series warner brothers television congratulations um they they bought the option for my mercy series and they renewed it, but then after the second year, they did not renew it. So okay, so at this point, it's, it's at this point it is available. <gasps> but that's so cool. Let me ask you <laughs> this. That's so cool. Um, would you want, if asked, or is it in your contract that you um, can work on in the room or on, on the, the script? Room? Yeah, for the scripts for that, or how does? That Usually, they don't want the author there. Okay. It's probably different every time. Um, with mine, um, a, a writer, uh, the showrunner, actually wrote the pilot. Mm -hmm. And he also storyboarded out an entire season for the first season. I have yet to see the pilot, um, the pilot script. I have never asked I've never asked to see it I've never asked to see the storyboards or anything I I didn't want to be involved 
and that's you okay. Say yeah. that. I, you know, I was happy just to sit, step back and see what their interpretation of it was. I love that. I think that's great. And I think that's know, fantastic. You probably hear that book contracts take forever to hammer out. This contract that expired essentially, it took 10 months from beginning to end to get to buy the, um, to option my series. It was, wow. I had to keep my mouth shut for 10 months about it. I couldn't say, I couldn't say it. Well, I told some people. Some like, lawyers did very well. <laughs> it took so months. long. Yeah. 10 months. Oh I think that goodness. was, I think it's a little longer than usual, but it, it was crazy. Yeah. I wonder what was going on. I'd like to They're know. just going back and forth and I would get emails with the documents attached and you know there'd be red lines through all the documents and then it would go back again they just kind of kept passing through my inbox and i would mm -hmm. look at them but i i never had anything to say about it because much more intelligent people than me were handling this thing so yeah you know it it's giving a lot of credit to the lawyers <laughs> agents and lawyers yeah lawyers, i mean yeah. there's a lot of language that is meant to confuse in every oh I it's crazy that. it's really crazy yeah. meant to confuse but also meant to uh meant to protect protect, protect. yeah but, but also just to make their jobs important yes <laughs> yes. yes yes next i'm going to go to law school yes. um because we're not saturated with lawyers psychologists mm. and lawyers we're saturated in los angeles with psychologists and lawyers um so it's you know and writers Can oops I <laughs> but I'm doing it anyway. Why the hell not? Can I ask, just for because I I didn't know until until we started this this conversation we're having here um, about your first job, and I don't even know that it is your first job, but your job prior to be being a dental dental hygienist, and that's at the Safeway. Safeway, yes. yes. How, when you when you started at the Safeway, you started as the bookkeeper there. Bookkeeper, yeah. For the for one store. Yes. Okay. Were you, now is this at a point where you had other aspirations beyond that? Did you have aspirations of being a dental hygienist or anything no. else? No. Um, so I have, my degree was in journalism, but I wanted to work in advertising and I was in the Portland area applying for advertising jobs. Um, but advertising was so popular when I graduated from college, so popular. I would go to an interview and I would know, I would recognize three other people waiting to also interview for the same position because we all want to school together. And yes, and they would tell me, oh, we had 200 applicants for this job. So I wasn't getting a job, I wasn't getting a job. And I'm like, okay, I need to earn some money. Um, my sister was working at a Safeway store, she's like, Oh, you know, I think we need a bookkeeper. We need someone in the deli too. Do you want to work in the deli? <laughs> like, no, no, I don't want to work in the deli. Right. So I started doing books for the store, which was actually, I kind of loved it because it was a, um, I worked on my own and handled a lot of money and it was very rewarding to me to make the books balance. Yeah. And to, catch, yeah. and to catch the employees who were stealing money. Oh, that's really? Awesome. You were like, yeah. so you were a little bit of a PI. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's, I would like that. That's awesome. I am, um, when I left college, I was in journalism. I worked for um, 
NBC News Detroit. Before that, while I was in college, I worked for ABC Detroit, but um, they didn't pay anything in journalism. Mm -hmm. TV news, when you first get there, they're like, here's yeah. eight bucks an hour. You're going to work 60 hours a week and we're not going to give you benefits. So I had, I got a job at Macy's, which I was in Michigan is, was Hudson's until Macy's bought them out. <laughs> and I sat in this training session. I was just going to be a, a sales associate on the floor. And um, they were like, it was this weird training session. They were like, okay, we just want to get an aptitude for your ability to style. And I was like, what? I, I just want to ring things up and deal with money mm -hmm. also. But I was like, okay. So they said, so if you're going to somebody's wedding shower, what would you do? And they had these items laid out on a table and there was like 10, 10 of us in there starting. And I thought it was cash register training. So I was like, what the hell is happening? And all these people are like, oh, I'd pick the bucket, which was a trash can. And somebody else was like, the towels look soft. And I was like, okay, well, I would take the bucket and use it as a gift box or the trash can. And I'd put towels in it and these other items. And then I'd mm. put a big bow on it. And they were like, oh, you're hired. The rest of you can leave. And that was, oh I was God. like, whoa. Like I literally, it blew my mind that that's what was happening. That was, it was sneaky. It was sneaky, right? It's sneaky, but also I think the person who thought of that test was really proud of themselves. Well, mm. I sort of had this like feeling afterwards. They were like, which department do you want to work in? And that's how I got in. I was like, well, I know how to do makeup because of theater. So they were like, all right, you can work for prescriptives. And that was great. That was great. And I felt very satisfied because it was like, you felt satisfied making the books tight. I felt satisfied having the highest commissions when I'd leave for the night. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I felt really good because I was like, oh, I sold a lot. I <laughs> my number selling moisturizer. I probably should do MLMs, multi-level marketing, because <laughs> I just get really excited when I hit a goal. I'm kidding you guys. I would never do that. would never do the that. The thing is, I think you'd do very well in an MLM. No. It's just you'd be contributing to a world of evil. I would not do well in I would be contributing to a world of evil. But you'd make a lot of money contributing well, to the world of uh, evil. I don't want to. Sales, sales is a gift. Sales is a gift. A gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could not do commission sales. There's no way I could do that. Well, I don't People think I could first. do it anymore. The point is, yeah. It, you, like, you feel really good when you start hitting sales goals and you're like, and people are pumping you up and you're like, I can do this, I can do it. And it feels very satisfying and you're like winning bonuses and stuff. Can it's pretty cool. Can I ask a question? Because what exactly did deter you from the deli counter? Slicer, <laughs> oh. the slicer. I think, I think, you know, I think it was actually my sister had said, you know, don't, don't, you don't want to work there. Uh, yeah. Don't work or don't work with the deli people. The people who were working in the deli at that moment were catty and just having all sorts of problems. So. Oh, did you, at that particular moment? Yes. Not yes. in general, deli not people. Not in like, general. Like no. the carny folk just, of grocery. Yes. Okay. It was that moment. I had my choice. I could work with a bunch of caddy people in a deli or I could have my own little office and work by myself yeah, yeah. I'm going with my own office even yeah. if it even if it paid less mm -hmm. even if it paid less I'm still going with my own office FYI always it's like a, it's a trade-off I mean in general I think that counting money over is is more preferable to slight than slicing meat um <laughs> 
but I, I, I'll be a meat slicer any day. You would. I would. I say that about you. I'd enjoy that, especially like get me with like one of those racks of prosciutto. Listen, listen. <laughs> Talk about the great big leg, aren't the you? The leg, yes. Yes. Great big uh -huh. leg. Yes. Just shaving it really, like, let's see how thin mm. we can get it today. <laughs> um, it's interesting. That's satisfying to me. I can see that, but I also see you being the guy that's making the potato salad. Maybe. <laughs> You're like, guys, Maybe. I put in less mayonnaise today. This is. Yep. This is um, I could see myself getting yelled at by a manager for messing with the recipes a lot. I do. That's what I'm saying. You're like, I had a tarragon. Mm -hmm. Was I not supposed to do that? Yeah. Or like taking too long with each customer because I'm like trying to like micro shave the turkey. Or Jason would just bring home all the food and products and like, I'm just going to take some of this home with me or make a sandwich mm -hmm. for himself. And then Kendra in accounting reports me for stealing. For stealing. <laughs> it also feels very much when she was like, and I can find the people stealing. Just think about that episode of The Office where they're like, you're not allowed to stand at the water cooler. That is stealing money from The Office. Do you remember that? Well, like, I remember. Oh. watched and, it last night. And um, uh, he, he starts timing Dwight. Every time right. Dwight Every stops time. working, he, Jim's like timing him. You know, yes. Three seconds. <laughs> so, yeah. It's one of the best episodes because if you've ever worked anywhere besides being an artist the, in hourly or a corporate job this is exactly how they treat you they're like you're yeah. no you're no. a time thief the only mm. people that aren't time thieves are the one the smokers who get because that's a medical condition they're addicted to nicotine so that doesn't count <laughs> i just think it's funny that's my favorite episode so the place had gotten political you had your book was coming out you're gonna take six months off Mm -hmm. The book came out. It did so great. Were you at that time option for the second book? Did did you have a two book deal or was it I had a two book two book deal right off the bat and they came out back to back. One came out in July, the next one came out in August. And I oh think that, I think that was a big boost. I really think that made a difference in kind of launching everything. Yeah, yeah well I would say so because that's a splash. They're like, oh, she can mm -hmm. handle it. So we're gonna make her write one every six months. Um, is that when the contract came out that they had ordered two books a year then at that point? Um, I actually had a contract for book three and four before the first two came out. So, okay. Okay. So with two books basically pre-sold at a contract for two more, mm -hmm. you still were waiting to see how it all turned out. Yeah. My, I did not get an advance on my first contract. Oh, okay. There was no no money up front. I see. Um, the second contract for books three and four, very minimal money. It's always <laughs> gone up, but um, yeah, my first contract, no advance, which was actually fine because that meant I started earning royalties immediately. Yeah, and um, they you didn't have to wait. Well, some publishers, I think you still have to wait. Yeah, your royalty is six months to a year or something crazy like that. But um, they were at that time they were paying royalties every three months. Now they pay royalties every month. That's so great! Mm. Oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. you have so. I just want to point out to everybody. I don't know if uh, it, it's obvious, but this is how my head works. Oh, somebody fell asleep. I don't know if that's our dog or our child. It's, it's our somebody's child. snoring. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I want to point out is one. You started in one place when you went to college, 
you got out, you did this thing in between until you figured out the next steps, you know, which is what we all sort of do. Like you get out of college, you may not have gone for what you wanted to. Everybody always seems to have this job that doesn't really match what they went to school for in the first place, right? We're all in this right. in-between space. Um, sometimes we stay there sometimes for too long and sometimes we move on. But then you completely changed gears and went into a science-based field doing organic chem. Okay. That, <laughs> that shit's hard. That is not for the faint of heart. Like I couldn't, oh. I could not. And then you really put your mind to this thing, loved it, did it. And then you were like, I'm a reader. I love reading, getting back to, even though it's not journalism, there's something that drew you to writing and journalism in the first place, you know, telling stories, I imagine. And you did this thing and you did it well. Everything you've done, you've, you've succeeded at. And you've like put this time in mm -hmm. and then you've sort of, you know, you change gears and reinvent yourself and here you are. Is this, is this thing satisfying you or do you have any sort of bug to maybe try script writing or um, acting or mm -hmm. podcasting? No, no, no. Yeah, every now and then, uh, my editor or my agent will ask me, you know, do you want to write something else? Do you want to change gears? And I don't. Um, you take and, up masonry? I don't. <laughs> I can't think of anything else that I want to change and do. Oh, yeah. You know, something, I can't think of anything else that I want to do. But it's not like I ever plan to work for Safeway. I never planned right. to become a dental hygienist until it was right there in front of me. Mm. Right. Um, I never, I knew when I, when I started writing, I was only writing to see if I could write a book. I wasn't writing because I wanted to make money. Um, it was just to see, Hey, can I do this? And I'm the type of person that always finishes what they start. And once I had completed that first book, by then I had found writing groups, I had learned the industry, and um, I was kind of like, oh, I need to see if I, could, if I can write good enough to get an agent. I need to see if I can write good enough to sell a book to a publisher. So it just kind of moved in little increments, and I made a lot of author friends, and they, they weren't making you know, a lot of them were published. They weren't making big money or anything like that. And so I, you know, adjusted my sites to, you know, hey, it'd be great to see my name on a book spine on a shelf someday, but I'm probably not going to be able to quit the day job because I didn't know anybody who could really quit the day job at that point. Right. I know a lot of them now though. A lot of them. Yeah. That's great. That's encouraging. That's encouraging that you know a lot of them now because, mm -hmm. yeah, most of my author friends, um, or most of the authors I know, most of them can't quit a side gig or a side hustle, you know, especially right. not until they get that third, fourth book deal. And then there's a, there's a momentum there that really, yeah. you have to kind of keep it up. Yeah. Um, you give me a lot of hope. <laughs> Good. Because when you say that, like, I sort of feel the same way. I, I've always been a storyteller and writing stories has, or telling stories and writing them has always been more of a passion. I wanted to see, could I actually complete a whole book? And then, mm -hmm. oh, I did. And then 
then you you sort of get into that world with other writers and then it kind of can well it can kind of consume you in a way and you're like oh I gotta get to the next step and the next step and the next step right and um so I think that's just great I think it's awesome and um I can't wait until the next thing jumps in front of your face and then we're like oh my god (laughs) Kendra's got her own talk show (laughs) <laughs> um, be like, can I? And it's on O. Can I please come on? Which is owned by Discovery, and it's going to be a me. Or Kendra's racing motorcycles now. What's with that? Oh my god, that <laughs> would be amazing. Um, Random stuff. Kendra just broke the land speed record. What the hell, <laughs> Jamie? Did you see this? Um, <laughs> no, she bought property, and now she's raising cats. She's running a yeah. cat rescue. What's with that? That would be amazing. We sort of did that. Like you know, we didn't think we were. I don't know. I was like, we should try Airbnb because one day it'd be really cool to own a real professional bed and breakfast. And all of a sudden we started buying Airbnb properties and we were like, oh, we really like this. It just kind of, it popped up in front of us and we had the opportunity. So we did it. And now we're sort of obsessed with it. Yeah. Now we're land barons. Although pandemic has sort of interfered with that too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, whatever. We'll get past it. Guys, I'm afraid of the pandemic. Not as afraid as Todd Goldberg, though. Oh, he's bad. Yes. <laughs> he's bad, but he's also, like, very, his practices are self-contradictory. Yeah. Meaning he's, you know, he's willing to have someone deliver groceries, but not deliver meals from restaurants. Well, mm. I understand that because he's cooking the food that the people are delivering from groceries. So he knows that he's cooking out any virus. Whereas from the restaurant, it's already cooked, and he's going to have to and then they can put virus in it. And then then it's the it's the packaging. That's where, if anything, if it's going to live, right? Because if you eat the food you eat, if there's a virus in it, you're it's going to die. Yeah, in your digestive system. Yeah, it's it's that's not how viruses. You catch a virus by eating it. You have to inhale it. Right. So unless he's sniffing the package, he's. We did. It was funny. It was funny. Um, but, um, okay. So, oh, this is what I wanted to say before we let you go. And I don't want to keep you too long because I know it gets late. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm in bed. <laughs> nice. We should start doing this from our bed. We it's a very different podcast. <laughs> I have to tell you. So we have um, a lot of Zoom meetings now for school. And most of them I have to do in bed because our house is small and my husband and child are out here usually at the time that those calls are. So I'm trying to like put the pillows down and I bring the couch pillows in to make it look like I'm sitting on some strange, <laughs> I don't know, Davenport or something. Um, Cause it's not going to pass for a couch. But um, what I wanted to say is you have the new series book two is coming out. Uh, we can pre-order now, which I have pre-ordered um, the silence, which is uh, from the, Columbia River series, um, and that drops in August. Is that still happening? Yes. Yes, that is still happening. <laughs> I'm very excited. Are you excited? I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I, I got to write the next one. You know, oh. I, I finished The Silence a long time ago. My brain has already been, has already moved on, essentially. It's, I'm always looking at the next book. And so you're looking at book three. Do you know how many books will be in the series? Um, four at least. Four at least. Okay. And, um, 
it introduces or wraps up some things from other series in this one like it we, does which uh, is cool you know i've got several series and characters crossover in almost all the books and um this this series is kind of i bring out old characters and either complete a storyline that got introduced somewhere in the past or give them a new storyline yeah, yeah. that's incredibly I, I satisfying it is and it, the readers love it yeah oh, that's, right. that's what i meant as a reader it, yeah. it is incredibly okay. satisfying yeah. and that's what i wanted to ask oh i wanted to ask this first of all first of all i wanted to tell people um if you like shows even though it's got suspense and and other stuff um but if you like um hour-long um procedurals um you will love kendra's books if you haven't read them um they read like watching a great television series like it's 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 the kind of reading that is just satisfying 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 and you get addicted to the characters so much so and you have huge fans like you have fans that I I go back. I've read reviews and I've read fans <laughs> talk to you know, because that's what I do. I, I like to investigate before I talk to somebody. Um, but has anybody written fan fiction of your books before? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I haven't gone looking for it. Um, somebody did. He actually asked permission to write fan fiction in um, one of the novella series that Melinda and I write together. And we were both like, no, you can't use our characters. Just change, change the names and write your own thing. Yeah. I, I, knew I it. thought it was odd that he asked permission. I'm like, oh. He wanted your attention. He asked permission because he wanted your attention. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um, and he got it. And I knew, I knew, I knew somebody, I knew somebody because her fans are incredible you have incredible fans like and they are plentiful so you know that somebody's out there going writing fan fiction of their favorite character i mean they, mm. they have to be um they'll ask forgiveness later yeah but also number two um if i've read one of the series of novellas and they're fantastic um and you can uh just digest them in a day like they're so good i read each one in a day and but mm. um what I wanted to say is, before we let you go, sorry, I keep going on a tangent because I'm so excited to talk to you, but um, your books read like watching television, like I said, and they're so good that I guess that's why I, I was curious if you would ever write a series for television, if that had presented itself or of interest to you at this point yet. I don't know. When I, um, when I bought the option for my Mercy series, so it was actually Ellen DeGeneres' production company that, that optioned it. And I spent a lot of time talking to the, the president of the company. And he just absolutely loved the books. And he teaches um, screenwriting, I guess. Mm -hmm. And was just pushing me. He's like, you have, you know, you really need to, you really need to do this. You really need to do this. And he sent me all this information on doing it. And I was just like, no, I don't know. No, you know, I'm comfortable. I've got my groove or my rut. I'm, right. in, my, I'm in my rut. I'm comfortable <laughs> in my rut. And I know, I know my publisher will buy more books. You know, I don't know if I can sell a screenplay. You know, I just, 
Yeah, I don't know. Not yet anyway. It's just not, you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be. I just wanted to ask. <laughs> and I just love, the books are so good. And so again, everybody, these are so good. You, they should be in your reading stack for summer. Um, I don't need to sell Kendra on it anymore because she's got a, a lot of fans. She has sold over millions of books. Um, but uh, if everybody always asks me, what's a good book? Kendra Elliott's books, her series. Oh, thank I you. I always tell them. So good. Um, Kendra, I want to thank you so, so much for being here. You're such a sport. It was awesome. And I know a lot of people are going to be inspired by that because, you know, a lot of people think they're doing this one thing and they can't do something else or they, they can't shift gears and mm -hmm. they have a passion for something else. So knowing that there is success when you do change paths and you... And that pulling the, thre uh, the, the thread of curiosity can right. lead to something and it's not just right. a thread. There's something right. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just really great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kendra. Elliott. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.